let's go here. We are live, Mr. Joe. All right, buddy. What's happening? Hey, man. It's like everybody just, you know, no sleep again. <laughs> but, you know, as uh, to quote one of my favorite movies, uh, Money Never Sleeps. There you go. You know? There you go. So, so um, I want to start off with what was an epic uh, experience uh, last night as an Olympus uh, Dow uh, investor slash staker and one who almost uh, did the Rari Capital leverage uh, the other day and chose not to, thankfully. Um, although I was being really conservative with what I was going to set up. So um, last night, uh, essentially, we hit like uh, a 50% dump, 48.7% from, I think, the high on the day. Let me see. Uh, yeah, right at 50%. Uh, dump on Olympus Dow. And, you know, obviously you can see there's this dump. It gets pushed back up. People buy at the discount. And then everybody else panics and is like, oh, holy shit, I got to get out of here. And dumps again. And then has a beautiful, like, climb in. Um, how far along was that? Uh, five hours and 10 minutes, a 67% gain. I bought doubled my stake uh down here about 628 um and it hit 618 i think so i was very pleased with that um but the really cool thing about this was watching the system work right so i was slightly nervous but i trust the code <laughs> and i trust the team and so i wasn't like sitting over the you know unstake button i was i wasn't I, I was just watching it and i was so fascinated because now look, yesterday at one point we were over 3 billion on this. But here's the key thing, when I started watching what was happening, we were at 2.4 billion total value deposited, right? Yep. Now, total value deposited has dropped also because the price is down, but it dropped down to that 618 per ohm price to 1.4 billion, right? So lost a billion inside of like 15 minutes. And then 15 minutes later, this was up again to 2.26 billion, right? So this whole system worked because what happened as the price dropped and people pulled out in panic and sold, the weak hands, the people who don't even understand what they're investing in, they're just investing in an APY, right? This APY went from 7,400 up to like 9,000% APY. And so what happens? Psychologically, everybody that's kind of sitting and watching this or already has Ohm in there says, fuck, I need more of that, which is what I did, right? I'm like, okay, this is on sale. I've lost half my value. I'm going to DCA this trade. I'm going to take that high APY. And we're still hanging out here at 8,005.1% because this has this total value deposited hasn't climbed up enough to, to hit the formula and make it drop more. For me, this whole incident proved the model, right? Because I think on any other cryptocurrency, um, you know, except maybe Bitcoin, Bitcoin and Ethereum, this level of drop in uh, a seven, it's not even seven hours, really. If you look at the true point of the drop uh, in four hours, five, just under five hours, um, that's pretty, pretty amazing for a project that's only about three months old that it actually recovered from that. Yeah. Um, and so I was really 
really excited to watch this whole thing happen last night, man. And all the Omis are taking a victory lap. Now, you know, had it been priced at 600, would we have gone to $1 or 300? Who knows? But, you know, we started out at the 1200 mark and um, uh, the system functioned the way he talked about it in my podcast with him and the way it's supposed to function. So yeah, if you can't I mean, tell, I'm very excited to see this shit work the way it's supposed to. Yeah, I was watching this last night too, and a lot of people I, I knew of a bunch of liquidations happening, and I was like, well, I know Brad's not sleeping tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing but, is, I would have been sl not sleeping in any other project. I probably would have been, except for like Alchemix. When Al Alchemix dumped, I didn't give a shit either. Mm -hmm. But it didn't, Alchemix didn't have an algorithm that I felt like would sustain it, right? Alchemix is, it, it certainly has the vaults and it has the, the TVL, but I just trust that project. This project, I trust the project and I stayed up because it was so much fun watching, watching the math, the math work, right? Mm -hmm. Watching what I had talked to him about for an hour and a half actually do what it's supposed to do, right? The whole concept of, I told you the other day, I love our mean reversion indicator because it's all based on the psychology of how humans react in uh, dumps. And um, this is no different. This is completely based on, well, if people are dumping it and the price is going down, give them more, right? Because then it does two things. First, it shows a big number APY. So everybody goes, oh, holy shit, I can make a lot of ohm. But the other thing it does is it spreads that loss out, gives you more of it, and you're thinking, well, shit, when this price goes back up to 1200 I just you know, got an extra 20% more than I had. And, right. and I'm going to stake it, and I'm going to earn 8,000% APY. And so the psychology of this shit works. I love models. I love projects that play with the with kind of our stupid psychology. Right. Well, yeah, it's also, you know, it's it's, you know, a lot of times you have to trade against your instinct because, you know, you're hitting the panic button at that point. It's right. What do I do? What do I do? But this is the beauty of these these sort of DeFi type projects is that with all this yield, you could eat a 50 percent correction like that and plow back in, you know, DCA your way back in. But then all that yield kind of levers up the whole DCA. So you're almost like leverage. DCA leveraging DCA in a way that hasn't been able to be done before. Yeah. And so I was, you know, cause I was following this a lot too. And, and I also think that, you know, I saw another thing from the ohm that if you had bought it in the IDO, each one of the units you bought in the IDO is worth 1.25 million now, evidently. Holy so, shit. Yeah. So there's only five people that held. So just so you know, <laughs> most people are like, shit, give me my half a million, give me my quarter million, whatever. And walk like, you know, a lot of smart people do. Um, the other thing I think was played here was that every, all this talk about BTC and the ETF and everything going on in ETH and BTC also was feeding into an excuse for people to sell. Right. Um, That's a good to, point. To rotate. So I yep. think that because that was all started at like midnight, right? 20. I'm looking at. Yeah, know, that talk all started late last night. Yeah. So to me, there was a reason why people were trying to come up with a reason to sell. And that was it. Now, of course, today they're feeling like idiots. Um, 
but you know, hopefully they only sold half or something like that. So yeah, look, I feel bad for the guys that were leveraged and um, you know, got out. I talked to a couple of guys on Twitter this morning that got really close uh to the cliff and had to dump some money in, or they just got lucky. Um, and so, you know, I feel for those people that were that were leveraged a little too tight on the price and and took the hit yesterday. But I think look. It's like everything else that in crypto, right? We all learn these lessons. And frankly, the only way to learn them it's hardcore is to get hurt, right? Yeah. And and that's that's sure as hell how I've learned my lessons, you know? Um, but I, I just, the brilliance of how this thing worked and watching it happen in real time, watching, watching these deposits go from... 2.4 to 1.4 in like 15 minutes and then soar straight back up because everybody's like, holy shit, look at this APY. It was it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. And I was well, glad to double what I have, right? That was the other beautiful thing. Yeah, I've been messing around with that on, you know, in some other platforms and moving some stuff out. And I noticed that a couple of them where I've been kind of watching them drop. Um, you know, again, I look at it and I've got twice as many tokens. Yeah. So, you know, you could play there. Everyone is you come in and buy more at that point and then restake it and just wait um, and don't miss those opportunities. That's why I say don't blow all your powder on one shot. You know, drop 25 percent of your powder, save some in reserve because this happens sometimes. Yeah. And then when you're like up double or whatever, trim your position a little bit. Don't dump it all, but sell the 25 percent of that back into your dry powder reserve. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you played that perfectly. Um, what do you think about that ohm fork over on Avalanche? Um, I was looking at it last night. Um, it's funny. Somebody I know actually knows the lead developer on that project because otherwise I was a little uh, concerned about it. But um, this is Wonderland, right? It's called yeah, Wonderland. And I haven't done anything in Avalanche, right? And so I feel a little skittish about it. But at the same time, um, the I'm in a private group with a bunch of kind of OG guys who've been in the industry for a long time. And one of the guys there, you know, says this guy is, is really the real deal. Um, and that he does some really great work and, you know, the project's legit. Um, I, you know, I'm curious about the dynamics of it. They've got, you know, they were at, they were at half a billion this morning when I took a look at it in TVL. Um, and certainly that API is sweet. It was 56 a uh, thousand percent this morning. I I still have, I think, a lot more trust in, in Olympus Dow, but I might dump a little in here just to play and see what happens. All right. Well, let me give you an easier one then. Okay. Um, that I saw um, uh, in one of my private groups, they were talking, you know, there are big OMEs in time and all of that and tons of NFTs and, you know, it's Matic, it's layer ones. And uh, time or Wonderland, just launched a product on Phantom, a token called W uh, Memo, M-E-M-O. And you can essentially buy that token over there and it does all the staking and the APYs and everything within your wallet. So you don't have to do anything other than just own the token in your wallet. You got a web address for that, dude? Um, let me pull up the, where's my Telegram messages? Hold on, I think, no, it's my phone. But if you Google the tickers up. Um, oh, wait, is this W? Uh, oh, wait, this is a, a wrapped MIMO token from uh, uh, Abracadabra from um, Magic Internet Money. Yeah, but it ties into, look, it came from time. 
and it's basically functioning as a time LP token on Phantom and accruing the 52,000 percent interest. But hold on, where's here? I've got a tweet up about it. Um, that might be it. That might be it. Yeah, you got it. Oh, come on, my time. Oh, that was from like a week ago. Okay, here I'll read this one. Um, this one is saying users on Phantom Chain can now purchase stake time in the form of W Mimo on Spirit Swap, which you know, guys know I'm into Spirit. Yeah. This token benefits from our usual rebase rewards, currently 53,500% APY. No need to stake or claim. Everything has been streamlined for your convenience. Simply hold the WMEMO token in your wallet. So when we talk about That's, users- That and, does sound magical. Yeah, so I was like, oh, screw it. You know, so, what the fuck? So I aped in with like 500 bucks just to see what happens. and. Um, because I'm like, how the hell are they doing that? But it's, you did it on spirit. Yeah, I did it on spirit. So, um, but it's it, it, when I looked at the FTM scan to see what actually happened, it seems to go to MIM and then back to WMIMO. So there's some kind of contract in MIM tied to time that's doing this, you know, auto magically for you. Um, but it was worth looking at. So I I was curious about if you had heard about nah, it. No, not a thing. You're but you're the phantom guy. You're the expert over there. And I've avoided Avalanche just because I wasn't a big fan of the founder's attitude. But um, there's so much happening there. And the performance over there is pretty interesting. So I need to dive in a little further over there as well. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is easy. Now I don't have to go figure out Avalanche and set up another <laughs> network. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, let me see. I know what I bought it at. Let's see what it's at. Hold on. Um, Let's see, where's my, let's expand. Of course, you know, I can't look at so many screens. I can barely Hey, see. Jaws, thanks. If you're uh, still listening, I appreciate that retweet, man. It was nice to, to have those Omis viewing. Oh, we got a bunch of Omis on board today? We did earlier. Uh, right. I think after we did, we we dropped off of the, off of Olympus, but uh, um, cool. Jaws, the, so I think you run social media for Olympus Tau and uh, um, he retweeted the live feed. Nice. So, um, much appreciated. Yeah. So these, you know, like we talked, these are, you know, I mean, it's kind of like liquidity farming. I mean, I was in one chat and a lot of people were kind of thinking that they think a lot of the LPing and stuff is just going to slowly fade away. And I'm like, well, no shit. I mean, if you could get, <laughs> if you could do this and get 53%. Well, AY, you know, I got into a, um, uh, uh, Scoopy. Uh, Truples from Alchemix got into a nice run, um, a nice back and forth with uh, Sassel uh, last night. Uh, where'd it go? Because I, I, of course, inserted myself into the conversation <laughs> um, because it was all about um, whether or not essentially he was saying that we shouldn't be calling um, these projects uh, DeFi 2.0. And mm. I was like, yeah, look, you know, there's more innovation and advancement from DeFi 1 to DeFi 2.0 than there ever was from Web 1 to Web 2.0, right? Yeah. I mean, this is like fundamental liquidity, um, it, fundamental liquidity changes, fundamental fundamental nature of, of money changes between DeFi 1 and 2. It, 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 it's taking us to another level of products that don't exist in TradFi. Right. And so from my perspective, things like Alchemix, things like Olympus, those are the those are the projects that, um, you know, really 
um, are defining DeFi 2.0. And I think it's absolutely legitimate. He's like, well, you know, it's not like an upgrade of software, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, look, I mean, Scoop is like a software guy, right? Yeah. But, and he said, look, you know, we think we're innovative and and we should be basically DeFi 2.0 because, you know, self-paying loans didn't exist before. So, um, we're, you know, we really feel like, oh, this, I think this might be, it. I would almost say that that's almost 3.0 because in the original DeFi summer, I was looking at some articles back then. Everybody's just talking about setting up the trading pairs and holding the LP tokens. Right. Nobody was really talking about staking those LP tokens somewhere for right. rewards and yields. So to me, DeFi 2.0 was when we started staking the LP tokens. Yep. Um, so now I think yeah. when we look at like what's, what those guys are doing at Olympus and Al- Alchemix, I mean, that's almost like DeFi 3.0 to me. We're almost getting there. So yeah. so this is what he wrote. Versioning implies that 1.0 protocols can't incorporate the 2.0 features. Just confuses everyone. I'm thinking, who's confused, man? It's really obvious to see the difference between there, the other protocols aren't going to die. And there's always been backwards compatibility in software. And that's what's happening here. Um, 2.0 can connect to all the 1.0 blue chips boomer protocols, whatever you want to call them. But there's there's absolutely zero reason to not call this 2.0. It's like, who's getting confused, right? It's just a different level of product, of features, of functionality, of stability of price goals, you know, trying to make sure that we build something better, stronger, more stable. To me, that's 2.0. So anyway. Well, you know, I think it sounds like, you know, his response was almost more like a software architect response mm-hmm. in that it was a technical thing where I would say the vast majority of users don't even know what he's talking about at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they're just like, holy shit, look at this yield. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Um, exactly. But they're not, you know, as we say, trust the math, dig into the math. Well, you know, these developers are all math guys. Yep. So, you know, he's digging into the granularity of the math and, you know, I mean, I think what he says is valid, but in reality, probably not as big an issue to 95% of the people. Exactly. So I agree. I agree. Uh, what else you into today? Uh, well, you know, we're all, we've been tracking, the, of course, the, um, you know, the BTC ETFs, which look like they're just, if, if one hasn't been technically fully approved yet, I mean, it's 99% there. Um, I've seen a lot of letters going around in, in crypto Twitter about, you know, from NASDAQ to SEC endorsing, I think the ProShares one and some tickers getting assigned on the Bloomberg data feeds. So I think it's a done deal. Um, but then what's interesting is then I saw an article from a couple hours ago talking about, you know, a Bitcoin gets green light for price discovery with almost no supply on exchanges above 59,000. Resistance is thinner than ever while data leaves the market guessing about what will happen when Bitcoin hits 64.5, it's all time mm. high. So, I mean, I don't know. You see those order books over on the material and that heat map you guys have. I mean, yeah, what's that looking like? I mean, I'll go take a look. Keep talking. Yeah. So, I mean, this is implying that there's nothing up there, and I'm and I'm looking at something on a, a volume profile on um, B- whale map Twitter BTC USD chart, and you know, it's not showing much up there either. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I can't anything, show you. Uh, uh, friends map. in the middle of upgrading it. Okay. So, you know, I mean, that's, this tells me that, you know, I mean, obviously if anything, 
were to push it up that you know sky's you know sky's a limit right now but a lot of people are also you know as we said before buy the rumor trade the news so you know it's kind of difficult to figure out what's going to happen next um, yeah in regards to you know there's another article i saw um about uh institutional article talking about how uh what was it that there's been about 200 million in crypto inflows from the wall street banks monthly for the last couple of months at least so institutional money is is clearly pouring in um i kind of think these etfs i started thinking about that today you know if you're in a fidelity fund that's you know the tech fund there you know maybe you're investing in these etfs to give yeah. a little bit of risk exposure to your your client base um but also retail can do it too people who can't do the cme stuff so yep i think it's good all around um, I, I just i i don't I'll, I'll never understand i mean i get and i do understand i just don't understand i get that the big institutionals want to be hands off but still be in bitcoin but to me it's the silliest fucking thing i think it's regulatory you know they have specific rules as to what types of securities they can buy and sell and you know again they're dealing all the pension money and stuff like that so you know they're just trying to you know f walk the fine line between give me more money and but at the end of the day it's still the same risk yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking nuts the whole system is nuts well you know i was talking to some of my i have some buddies that have worked at the u.s treasury for years and I was joking with them. I said, dude, man, you want to retire the national debt? Just give me a billion dollars and I'll throw it in here at 52.5, 52,000% interest. Or It's a big joke, of course, because we know the yields have collapsed. But, you know, there's just opportunity here. Yeah. And if you play it smart, you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to make money. Right. Um, but, you know, sure, validate the sources, validate the math, you know, don't go on gut you know, think rationally, you know, the right side, the, whatever the, I think the left side of the brain, I can't remember, one, whatever side of the brain does all the rational thought versus creative and instinctual, you know, think that and it just make smart decisions. You'll do well. Yeah. Um, so in other news, uh, index finance, which is a um, tokenized kind of portfolio play, uh, got hacked, uh, I guess it was yesterday. Oh, um, more of an exploit than a hack. I shouldn't call it a hack. I, I use that word too much. Smart contract um, exploit. Yes. Yeah, so um, had to do with you know again manipulation of supply of the tokens and what's being bought and uh, driving price down with extended supply. I, I don't remember all the details, but the thing that bothers me about it. Excuse me. You know I interviewed. Um, Mitchell Amador from Immunify for the podcast and Immunify is a bug bounty program, but they do um, uh, all kinds of remediation on, on hacks and everything else. And the thing that bothers me about it is kind of the, the postmortem on this by indexed to me, not being a solidity developer, but to me, it was almost like, you know, we should have uh, seen this coming and, and, I'm frustrated. I love the fact that we're open book. I love the fact that we say what happened and we talk about it openly and that we're helping each other solve problems. But, you know, $16 million worth of assets were, were stolen. And that it sounds like from the post-mortem that the way they were handling the pools of assets was not 
uh, copacetic with current standards for handling things like that, right? And so the delays and the times on it and everything else, he was able to get it done and he shouldn't have been able to get it done. So for me, I'm a little disturbed when I see stuff like that. And so, you know, there are um, uh, real time, I think it's called real time audits, the firm that Alchemix hired and that also uh, um, Olympus hired. These are firms that are constantly evaluating the code and evaluating what's happening and looking for attack vectors and looking for exploit vectors. Every project that has raised some serious cash better be spending that cash on those kinds of analyses, right? Because this isn't just about, is there something that they could hack? Is there a bug in the code? It's also about, you know, flash loans and exploits that way and being able to rig the system to extract out assets that are in pools. And from my perspective, you know, I'd love to see a more concentrated effort from figuring out a way from what other people have learned being distributed to what people are actually working on. Right. And I, I don't know how that works yet. Cause I, I'm, I'm not the right guy to, to, to lead that charge, but I know that the guys at Immunify and all the audit firms are collecting a lot of data. Some audit firms suck and they barely look at the kinds of exploits that happened for, for indexed, mm -hmm. but um, others do. And they have, you know, economists and financial analysts that are really looking at potential ways to manipulate it and screw with it. Um, I just think we need more of that. Now I could be completely wrong. It may be that indexed had everything in place that they should have had in. It just was an, an unforeseeable way to hack it or to exploit it. But it didn't sound like it when I was reading their Twitter thread about the, the postmortem. Well, so. you know, it's kind of funny, uh, you know, in the router protocol channels, you know, you got half the people bitching about the audit. Why is the audit taking so long? And then Ugh. of course all the principals are like, look, we don't want to rush something out. That's going to get exploited. Yep. And, you know, and so they have Halborn, I think is doing is their audit and supposed to be super, super thorough, I guess. But, you know, they identified an exploit that if they had really rushed to market to, you know, appease all the token holders, you know, they would have gotten totally screwed. So yeah. I wonder with like index, if they, you know, what audit firms were they using? Um, did they have multiple audit firms in there before they launched? You know, things like that, because, yeah. you know, speed to market is an important thing, too. And you don't people don't want to miss the window. But, you know, obviously, and I'm not saying they did this, but, you know, if you rush something out that's not quite ready, you know, there's, I mean, this is yeah. going on 24-7, 365. There are teams of people, you know, black hats going in trying to find these exploits. Yep. As Brad said, drain the wallet. So, you know, the white hat side has to be on 24-7 as well. Uh, just like if you're doing intrusion protection at a corporation or cybersecurity or anything like that, you have to have a dedicated team 24-7, 365 on it. Yep. Or you're going to get screwed. It's just too Absolutely. much money. Absolutely. Here, so. Now, look, I really should not, I should reserve any more comments on it till I read the, the new postmortem that just came out. <laughs> right. I read the previous one that they did right after, and that's not fair. They're in the heat of it, and they're not quite sure what happened. But the way they worded it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we probably should have done that. You know, yeah. and I was like, what the fuck, dude? It, and, even and if I'm, you should have, maybe not say it. But <laughs> Well, and I'm speaking in more general terms, too, from other ones. I don't know anything about Index. So. Yeah, so I'll read this shit, and we can talk about it on uh, Monday a little more. Okay. So, A um, couple other things I saw was, uh, you know, Polygon's got a, you know, again, no supply on the exchanges of Polygon. Um, they got a 350 price target, according to a few, and they're talking about, like, like, I, you, what do you mean, no supply? Let's define that. 
Um, well, you know how people on central exchanges. Oh, on centralized know, exchanges. Yes, oh, I got yeah. you. I thought you meant on DEXs. I'm like, what? No, no, sorry. On um, well, let me see if it's talking about. It. I think it's just sexes. Hold on. Let's see if I want to buy some Matic right now. What happens? Well, it was up today 20%. I, I trimmed a little nice. bit because I've been in since like I don't know. Well, let like, me see. What, what's the price at right now? Well, it should be like 140. Well, hold on. Bitcoin's uh, at 61 almost. Matic is at 146.5. Yeah. On 147. Yeah. Yeah. But it was up to like one. Look at that run. When did that start? This morning. No wonder. Yeah. Holy so, shit. So I trimmed a little bit there just because I've been, you know, thirty percent in six hours. Nice. Yeah. So you know that's always my strategy, and and buy something else. It's down. So I yeah. think where I redeployed was, um, uh, no, I deployed that into Wemo or WMemo, whatever it was called, just because. I was <laughs> like, you know, why not? <laughs> um, so if I'm going to take a bet, take it with something that I'm up twenty five x on or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. But so that's good news. I mean, Polygon. You know, again called layer two but it really functions a lot like a layer one um so i tend to lump it in with layer one and then i, I think i saw kind of interesting was bank of russia to assess bitcoin holdings as 36 billion dollars leads the banks <laughs> so it's like nice. you know and the pandemic started i guess everybody was pulling money out of the russian banks and it hasn't gone back yeah so that was in 2020 they pulled it out and it hasn't returned and then it says you know, uh, according to a survey by Russia's Association of Forex Dealers, as much as 77% of Russian investors prefer Bitcoin to traditional investment instruments such as gold and Forex. So, yeah. you know, I mean, in a lot of these, in many societies where, you know, you're assessing sovereign coins versus um, non-sovereign, you know, you see all this uh, risk in the, the, the fiat side and, you know, why go put that back in a bank if you don't trust that bank? Um, exactly. Now, this is Russia. We're not talking about the U.S., but at the same in the, in the bank comparison, of course, because we know we'll bail the banks out every single time that we have. Of course. Um, but still, that's just another positive sign. And then one other thing I want to touch on, you know, Japan's doing their own CBDs, their central bank yeah. digital coin, and they're talking about prioritizing simplicity. So, you know, again, a lot of stuff going on. That's all super positive to adoption. It's great. So I want to just give an example of what we're up against in government and regulatory. This douchebag governor, Mike Parson from Missouri. Did you see this shit yesterday? <laughs> no, I didn't. What is he saying? Oh, holy fuck. He, a reporter went into the state's education site and there's a, they have this thing where you can search on the qualifications of teachers in the state of Missouri, right? It's like a, you go in and put the teacher's name in, it'll show their certifications. Mm -hmm. Well, evidently he did a something as hacky as this. He right-clicked it, chose view page source, and looked at the source code. And lo and behold, the social security numbers of the teachers that he was searching for were embedded in the HTML that the government was putting forth, right? So he sits on the story goes to the education department, goes to the forensic security people in the state and says, you guys have a problem because number one, it's illegal for the state to disclose people's social security numbers yeah. and you need to fix it. And so this douchebag governor, this is how either uneducated or unwilling these people are to understand the simplest technology, right? We're talking about HTML. We're talking about 
becoming popular and utilized since the mid 90s in everybody's browser every single day. He wants to arrest and prosecute the reporter for hacking and accessing these teachers' social security numbers. Good luck with that. Yeah. It's, I, I just, I think it's a beautiful example of the level of ignorance we're dealing with. And we have a really severe problem. And, and, and I, I'm really concerned that we're never going to get there. Now, I will say I was ex pleasantly surprised. Coinbase's um, policy arm, their lobbyist arm, put out a document yesterday talking about what they think policymakers should do. And I have been kind of slamming Coinbase. Not that they give a shit that I'm slamming them, but I've been kind of slamming Coinbase because I was concerned that a centralized exchange was never going to represent the interests of DeFi. And they actually took an incredibly good approach and positive approach to it. They put out a set of regulations and structures with the, with a singular, a separate regulatory body for digital and organizations like them, centralized exchanges that have custody, they outlined all the regulations that should apply to them, but they said, take us out of commodities, take us out of securities, take us out of all this other shit, put us in one basket with a digital regulatory authority, digital finance regulatory authority, and then DeFi, you know, let people run with this and let people connect and only make them disclose, you know, specific things about infrastructure, tech, how the system works, et cetera, so that people can make informed decisions about investing. I haven't, I just skimmed through the whole thing. It was like, you know, 10, 15 pages, but I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. So mea culpa, Coinbase, I really thought you were going to go in there lobby and say, everything should be like us, you know, and that's typically how lobbyists operate, right? They'll, they'll go in in the interest of their client and, and get Congress who's ignorant on a topic to write legislation that favors their client because they're right. given donations. They really went in with what I thought was an incredibly fair, structured regulatory framework. I don't think I'll ever see the light of day, but at least it'll make some politicians think about it. And hopefully, you know, if Coinbase and the other lobbyists are giving them enough money, they'll actually read it and try to understand it. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, by the way, BTC is at 61,435. It's spiking big right now. Um, you know, when I, back in the day, I worked for the dot-com company called, or advised, called EasyGov. And it was one of those um, G to C, G to B companies, you know, government. Yeah. And they were the first one that did like pay the ticket online and, you know, pay your shit online and all of that with governments that are going and standing in a line. And, and so, you know, what they found was that, and I have discovered this in other sectors too, you know, they thought, oh yeah, we're just going to deploy it and then, you know, everybody's going to use it. But when you go to these individual states, and I'm kind of going back to the show me state, Missouri, um, and that governor, whomever, is that every, yeah, every single one has a different thing. So maybe somebody set up the they became the first one in 1940 at the courthouse to collect checks to pay parking tickets or something or titles or things like that. Um, they get that shit gets enshrined in the Constitution. Where right. That family has that business. So when you go to those states, you know, another one I was involved in was the first reverse mortgage company, uh, realestate.com, classic flame out. But, um, <laughs> You know, they were got busted for selling mortgages without a license and stuff like that. But but they were each that, state that dude a, needs to be in DeFi, man. Yeah, each he's a great promoter, by the way. 
But um, each state has different families that control those businesses. So mm-hmm. same thing happened with the Affordable Health Care Act. You know, the people they ran up against were the people that own those health insurance businesses in those states. So right. there is no uniformity across states. So what you find is that all these IT systems are just totally clusterfuck, basically. Right. It's, it's duct tape and toothpicks and it's, you know, Unix and fuck every other thing you could think of just laid on top of everything. And the exploits in there, I mean, this shows these guys are so stupid. They're actually deploying the social security numbers out in a public domain. And yeah. then to accuse the journalist of hacking who didn't, you know, you have to do something with the data. Viewing the data isn't hacking the data. And that they don't understand that. It just shows how stupid, you know, exactly. most of these politicians are. In exactly. And, you know, I don't, people are politicians for a reason because yep. they can stomach the bullshit. And, you know, I always look at it as a big sausage factory. I don't really care to know any of them or I don't give a shit what they think. If the output is good after everybody fights and gets their piece and gets their take and gets paid off and this and that. I mean, paid off in the sense of political action committee contributions, not in, you know, bribery or anything. Um, then that's, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I mean, like in the other countries, it's straight up bribery. Okay. But, you know, we have a sanitized well, indirect here. bribery. Yeah, that's what the like, fines are from the SEC, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. So, so that kind of stuff, it's going to change over time, um, obviously. But, um, you know, unfortunately for those teachers in, you know, Missouri, you know, who now have probably had data is probably somebody already probably found it. Somebody before, already yeah. has it. It's yeah. already on the dark web. People yeah. are running identity theft yeah. on those people already. So, yeah. Well, and that's the, that's the attitude about these politicians. It's like, you know what? I am going to try to fight off this bad press by acting like they committed and did something horrible and criminal, right? Instead of just saying, damn, I fucked that up. Or we Gee. we fucked that up and Gee, I, we're fixing it. <laughs> I, like, wonder who, I wonder who set that example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without saying anything. Exactly. I don't want to politics. Exactly. On, but, you know, it's like there is not, it's this, you know, anger that's out there and, yeah, if you fuck up. It's like I didn't do it; he did it, or he already did that, or he did more. You know, it's, it's like, like well, was... the simplest thing would have been, "Holy oh, crap, we're really That's... sorry. This we're gonna is horrible. Fix it. We're shutting down the it. site." Yep. And you know what? Somebody's getting fired. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, dude. Where's that Seriously. state IT director, man? <laughs> exactly. You're fired. <laughs> and and the crazy <laughs> thing is, it was probably some dude. 15 years ago. I bet this yeah. code is from like 1999, knowing how state governments run, you know, yeah. anyway. And nobody, you know, you, there's no incentive to like make things better. There's incentive to like not get fired and maintain yeah. your cushy job. I saw something yeah. similar to that on this uh, real quickly, this jail system in Tennessee. I saw an article where, you know, they were jailing kids and they're making up charges like, you know, there was some, the example just to get like the rent money on the cells. They're like jailing 12 year olds and shit. So I'm like, of course, most of them are, you know, people of color. But that's another thing to not wade into right here. But still, you know, that's these states. It's just a joke what's going on at the state. Well, yeah, I mean, look, let's not. I, I'm about to go down the for-profit prison march and I don't want to do that because yeah, this is not, not this is a DeFi show. So, yeah. So. Uh, what um I have a hard stop in uh six minutes. Anything yeah, else you um, want to cover today? 
Well, let me look. Hold on, real quick. Make sure I did. I think I went through everything I thought was interesting. I had I had a few more things, but I haven't taken a deep enough dive on my own to get into them. So I'm um, gonna I'm gonna wait. There's some talk. There's an NFT play I've seen some chatting about called Bado. I think today it was the Bado. Yeah, it's um. Bada, 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 bada. Oh, you know what? I I'm gonna I want to add something to the mix next week. My buddy Corey, who lives yeah. over in Waxland, um, Wax Blockchain, that is primarily focused on NFTs, founded by one of the original board members of USDT of Tether. Um, he's launching the first full blown DeFi play in that space. There are other like little here and there swaps on that site, but he's launching. So I wanted to see, they also have an entire metaverse system with NFTs inside of Minecraft, which is actually yeah. amazing and growing at a rapid rate. But I wanted to, I was thinking you and I could have him on next week at lunch and interview yeah. him and add a little bit of like, you know, mix to it. And Corey's a awesome human being. So, um, and he's also based here in Miami. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Great guy. Um, so let's, um, it's the, the new site's called BluDAC, B-L-U-D-A-C. Um, I'm really impressed. Like they already announced a couple of the pairs they're going to launch and like those coins soared, like soared on wax, like, like 150%. So anyway, um, they haven't even launched the platform. But Can you spell it for me again? B-L-U-D-A-C, I believe. Let me make sure I'm doing that right. I don't know, dude. No, uh, I'm coming up with some kind of crystal. io. but you're just going to see a landing page. Okay. Yeah, let's do that because, you know, this is the holy grail that we talk about with NFTs is that, you know, once you can start yield farming them and you can start staking them and borrowing like the Ave model, um, you know, or the Geist model, yeah, you know, I'll, that takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, I'm sitting, you know, I have a bunch of NFTs and, you know, I redid it again and looked at it and it's like four times what it was worth in May. Um, but, you know, it's like I don't want to sell them because I like the Searlight stuff. And, and yeah. now to Tokyo Love's blowing up. I don't know if you've been following that. Oh, story, shit. But really? Yeah. No, because oh, I got the Tokyo Love covered. I got so much Tokyo Love. Well, he, you know, he's a lovely Ooh. guy, <laughs> but, but the thing is that, um, he sold one for four ETH on, uh, it wasn't, I think it was foundation. Maybe there was some chatter about it. He's in uh, I hope group. his, I hope his doki dokies blow up. My offers keep getting higher for my seer light ones. Did you move them over to layer to ETH or did you keep them up? I, I moved the two most rare ones I have to layer one. How because, much did that cost? Cause I haven't. Well, uh, at the time it was stupid. It was like. I think it was $120 each, $140 each. I, I don't think it's as bad now, but. Yeah, but those are like, those are, you know, multiple ETH valued NFTs. So, yeah. You know, I'm talking about, see, I've got a, a bunch of his second layer down that like ones to seventies and things like that. And, you know, they're going for like 800 bucks on, you know, layer one and going for like 600 on layer on Polygon side. Yeah. See. And you kind of decide when do you want to arbitrage it over, but you think you got to do the hundred and something per NFT and then like a 250 one time listing fee at um, OpenSea. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, yeah. On, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so I've been sticking on Polygon, just waiting for more people to realize, Hey, this shit's like, you know, cheaper over here. Yeah. Um, well, this is mine that um, I think it's up to, what was the last offer? Let's see if they've pulled it or not. Hold on. Yeah, there's always a game. Yeah, 4117 which considering I paid $52 for it, 
because Doki Doki's the fair launch NFT platform. I'm I'm not sure why I'm not selling it, but my wife, I consulted with the wife yesterday. She said and sell it. She said no. Oh, interesting. She's like, she's like, if Joe Colley says the demand is high, you need to stay the fuck with that money. Get the money, honey. Well, some people would also say that's a contraindicator. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's always hard to make the call. I mean, I'm kind of looking at the other ones too, and I'm thinking, I mean, do these guys I love pop Tokyo out? Love's work. I hope he blows up well, just for him because I really – I really stuff. love this guy. He's such a good guy. He's yeah. just a mensch, just a beautiful human being. He and I had a had a long interview on NFT side of things. But I love this work. I I it's just fantastic. And he's been, you know, this guy started, you know, selling his work online and um then had it built an Etsy store where he was selling these beautiful prints. You know, he takes these original photos in Tokyo, usually at night. He likes them after it's raining. He met his wife there taking when he was taking the photos and lives in Canada, but he's back there like constantly. And he's just a good human being. And he does such beautiful work with these. With these. I'm hoping that we see some of these take off. Um, he had, did he have, yeah, he had two machines on Doki. Yeah, there's one still running. Uh, does it still have some in it? Lo-fi summer. Yeah, people were pounding it today. If I'm not oh, mistaken. shit. Um, because when I saw that one go, it's um, for ETH. All right, let me get in there. Like maybe like Lo-Fi Summer Review or I don't. It's there. Revisited. Yeah, that sounds right. Let me look. I'm popping into Tokyo Love Summer Memories is the most recent. That's one. it. Point oh one five ETH. Yeah. So look, you know, Shit. I remember when he was scrambling before and. You know, he lowered the price on this because he was, you know, needed some cash. Oh yeah, this this series was a lot brighter. I remember yeah. now. Yeah, and it's got lots of like cherry blossomy things and stuff like that. And it's uh, what is it? Yeah. What is that? It's Retro Journey. Is that right? No, Tokyo Love Summer, right here. The yeah. Retro's yeah, the other one. The retro um, was the first one. The night shots. Yeah. So Tokyo Love Summer, I don't think I ever, I did the other one hard and I don't think I did much on this one. I didn't either. Um, I did them, I did them on the other. I actually like the nighttime ones a little better, but I think there's a whole nother market of people that would like the daytime, the, the brighter, happier ones. Yeah. So when you look at it, like the first two on that board with listeners, you know, those are 10, 10 mints. And so you see that there's, you know, three left in a machine, seven have already gone out and then five and five on the second one. And it shows the odds, the probability of, of getting it, you know, like 0.34 for the first and 0.57. Because as you go down a list, I love that like uh, temple one right below the second one down on the left column. That's really cool looking. It's yeah. a sunset, of course. But you go down, you see these are 100, 100 mints. And then it, he goes up to like, I think he's, we were talking to him, a bunch of people were talking to him, not me, but in the group. Yeah, he capped his at 100. Because some of these mints you see on other ones, there's like 3,000 of them. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they're cute or whatever. They look nice, but you really want those smaller mint ones. So, yeah, like the Doki Beam one, you know, those are all like 70s. And the Searlight ones that I have are like 70s. So they're not like yours, which is, what is yours? A, is that a 1010 or a 77, your Searlight? Uh, no, I think it's a 50. Okay. 
So look, there's the fifties going for four grand. Yeah, you know, exactly. When, when people like the artist and yeah. And so maybe it's not selling on open sea there at that price, but on foundation, they're going for that price. And that's where a lot of artists get a lot of exposure. So Joe, I got to cut it close. Cut it. All right, man. One thing, um, there was something else I wanted to say, but I will save it for what is today? Friday for Monday. Um, anyways, have a good weekend. I see that, uh, you know, Bitcoin's up to almost $61,500. Are we, we going to break all-time high? I think so, man. You think over the weekend? Well, I mean, it depends on, you know, what Asia does when they get up, you know, to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this looks like all, <clears throat> excuse me, all new money coming in here. So, yeah, based upon the ETF thing. Now, of course, if that's delayed for some crazy-ass reason, which I don't see, you know, then you might see some freakingness going on from the retail people that FOMO'd in right now. Yeah. But I think this is institutional money mostly. Yep. Uh, myself. Have a great day, man. And too, uh, homies, thanks for listening. Jaws, thanks for tweeting us. And uh, we're here every day, noonish. Sometimes, yep. sometimes not on time because Brad's late on another Yeah, call he has to get his massage finished first. That's <laughs> happy ending. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> let's go, Pumptober. Yeah. <laughs>